Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Arizona, happy Sunday. The skies look clear. The sun looks shiny, and it's beautiful here at Sunny Slope. We can see the just the caps of the mountains catching the sun here in the shadows of Squaw Peak. Oh, I guess it's Fiesta Week. Anyway, happy Sunday morning. Hope you're enjoying yourself. A beautiful day out there. Looks like it's going to be a splendid afternoon, and um, hope you uh, just enjoy this beautiful desert climate. You know, it's been a little chilly, and that's good. I mean, it changes a lot of things for us. This is what makes the oranges taste good. Yes, all the citrus will be ripening with the cool days, cooler nights, and even chilly nights in the warm days. Uh, it's a perfect time for our citrus to build its sugar content and, you know, just get really good, especially things like navels and tangerines. This cooler weather and the break in the weather like this is what makes them special. And it's what makes our lemons, you know, have more acid. It just a lot, it has a lot of great things for us. So, hope you're enjoying it, the citrus is. Well, this is the, Whit- the Whitfield Nursery, uh, Garden show. We can talk about anything you want to grow, water, fertilize, or kill. If you've got something different you're doing at home, we would love to hear from you. You have a different style. You know, we're all here to learn lots of things to grow. We're in a subtropical climate, and that means it can freeze and it does get hot, but it also means that we have uh, beautiful, clear weather this time of year and grow some of the, you know, the prettiest uh, bougainvilleas probably on the planet. Probably some of the nicest geraniums because our air is a little drier. You know, we can grow some wonderful produce. The, all the green leafy things, the broccoli, cabbage, kale, cauliflower, lettuces, you know, those all do fantastic this time of year. You can still plant roots if you want to. But what I'd like to rhyme for you today is one thing you want to plant right now if you want to have them in the spring are desert wildflowers. So if you want to grow the little poppies and, and, and African daisies and those things from seed, now is the perfect time to get the seed out in the ground. And it's a perfect time to do a rain dance and hope that somewhere here between now and the middle of December, we get a few more rains like we've had. And a few more rains, you know, along with the moisture, it's already in the soil. Good chance we'll have a beautiful flower season this year. Well, we've got Got three lines still open, and we have Shura back here smiling on the phones and music. You can give her a call at 602-277-5827-277. KTAR. Robert North Phoenix. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Yes, hey, sir. Uh, great to hear from you this morning. I got some tomato plants. Uh, my cherry tomato is seems to be doing okay, but my other one, uh, you know, of course, it went through the little shock when they transplanted from little plants to larger plants uh, trying to grow anyhow. But it looks very wilty. There's uh, The leaves get a little bit of curly. Uh, the, the, there's some holes coming through the leaves, and I'm not watering over the plants. I water directly in the soil below it. So, Robert, what you know, this is a great time of year for, you know, cherries, giant cherries and all the smaller, faster tomatoes. The bigger varieties, like if you're going to grow a beef master or ace or some of the larger ones, aren't going to do as well. But the fact that it's a little curly and things, what you might try is give it a shot of more calcium. Okay, and uh, that could be done with uh, Happy Frog's got a real good calcium product. But, you know, if you're building up the soil for the long run, even chicken manure being organic would work well. So there's a lot of different ways to get more calcium on it. 
uh, happy frog or chicken manure, you said? Yeah, or anything that's higher in calcium. When you buy a tomato fertilizer, it could be some other brand. But if it's listed... And now, these are in planters as well. In, in containers? Yes. Okay. And how long have you had them in? Uh, probably about a month. Okay, and they should have been growing really fast for the last month, and they didn't, huh? The cherry is looking pretty good. That's got mm-hmm. a lot of fruit on it. The other okay. one, it's got a, a couple pieces of fruit, but it, the top of it's kind of leaned over and curled up against the house, and, and, and the leaves are really wilty on the other one. I think that's early girl, maybe, or something like that. Well, that should be okay. So what you really need, number one, you need stakes or cages or something to hold them up. Yeah, I have cages, yeah. Okay, so they've got some support. And then, you know, I don't know what you've been fertilizing with, but they sound like they haven't had much if they haven't really grown like crazy for the last month. So uh, you can Miracle use anything Grow from Miracle Grow or... Days. Pardon? Yeah, Miracle Grow every 14 days. Okay. And what you could try for it to work a little faster right now, if that's what you have, is try a foliar application. Spray it, you know, on the okay. plant directly itself. Okay. And that can be very I beneficial. Can't be overwatering, can I? Well, you can. I mean, you can overwater and underwater. That's it's what dry kills to about plants. an inch down. Pardon? It's dry to about an inch down. I've been watering like every other day, but I wait till it gets dried. You know. Are they like in a five gallon container, Robert, or what size container? Yeah, about about maybe five or eight. Okay, so they probably shouldn't need to be watered that often. Uh, you can go, you okay. know, you can grab a moisture beater and check it. Um, okay. And when you water, you want to water so the water goes all the way through the pot and comes out. Yeah. Okay. So if you're watering deep, and there's so many different kinds of potting soils, and they're all different kinds of densities, but you know, especially now, the plants are going to use a lot less water. The days are shorter. The nights are a lot cooler, so they're going to slow way down. You know, and typically it's very loose, loamy. Yeah. You know. Okay, Very so typically loose. when we plant tomatoes in the, in the fall, you know, we're hoping to get a little bit in the fall, but you're really planting a spring crop anyway. So don't okay. expect them to do wonders over the next month unless you're going to put them in a greenhouse. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. I'll take all that advice. Thank you. Good luck, Robert. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Thomas Scottsdale. But after Tom, we got wide open lines. We have Shira back here smiling. Give her a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Yeah, I have another uh, tomato question for you, mm-hmm. coincidentally enough. But I've got... Um, I've got an early girl and a sweet 100, both in a pot, and I've had them in, and the lower leaves are starting to, uh, I don't know, turn copper maybe or brown. They don't seem to be dry. Well, the lower, but, um, Tom, the lower interior leaf shedding out of a tomato as it grows is very natural. Okay, and if you ever went to okay. like a hydroponic greenhouse, you know those tomato plants can be fifteen feet long, and basically they have a long stem, and then just a growth all up at the top. And so, you know, that being the case, I mean, don't really be too concerned with the bottom foliage on a tomato as long as it's growing well up on the top portion of the plant. Yeah, the new growth is good. It seems like that it the lower leaves working its way up. Just do I snip those off? You can take the foliage off, or they'll fall off. Either one. Okay. 
Got it. So yeah, I've read either underwatering or overwatering can do that, but yeah, if it's well, if it's and it's natural, just then... it's just age can do that too. The age on the foliage, sure, you know, and that's just kind of Got how it. tomatoes grow. I mean, say it really is interesting. You ever have the opportunity? Most people won't you, won't let you in their, you know, commercial tomato rooms, but you know the way that they're grown, you know, organically and uh, hydroponically, sure. they're just amazing. You know, because they only grow from the top, so you'll see these vines that are sure. fifteen foot long with wonderful tomatoes on them, and basically. Basically, the stem just eventually over time becomes bare. You got it. Okay, great. That's good to hear. Thanks, Tom. Good luck. Happy All Sunday. Right, thank Bye-bye. you. Well, it is a beautiful Sunday morning out there, folks. The sun's starting to break over the, I don't know what we exactly call our mountain here in Sunny Slope, this one, but it's between North Mountain and uh, P.S. Dua Peak over here, right along the dreamy draw. We have a beautiful place for a studio here at the KFYI. It's just, uh, I mean, KTR, I'm sorry, at KTR. It's just a beautiful morning out here. want to invite you to give us a call, number to call, 602-277-5827. We can talk about what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it, and if you're doing something Something different. We'd love to hear from you. Lots of styles, lots of things to grow. You know, and we're in a great planting season this time of year. If you're going to plant trees or roses, couldn't be much better. If you want to plant some vegetables, it's still a great time. And, uh, you know, mostly though, our historic vegetables here this time of year are the greens. So it's broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, you know, mustard greens. Anything that's green that we're going to eat the, the plant itself does really well this time of year. If you're going to plant strawberries and you want to have a crop for this spring, better to plant those right now too. If you can get them in and get them rooted and established, you're going to have a lot better chance of getting a crop this year. And root crops, things like radishes and carrots and beets, and if you happen to want to grow a little bit of, um, oh, garlic is kind of a fun thing, or, or onions, now's a great time to plant all those as well. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we do have two lines open, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on uh, 92.3 FM, KTAR. We live here in the desert. We need to write a version that says, there goes the sun. 
you know. And we're so happy to see the sun be gone for a while. The days be a little shorter. The morning's cool and enjoyable and pleasant like this. So, Paul McCartney, I know you're not listening, but if anybody knows Paul, uh, or if anybody else wants to write a new vision, I think we definitely, a little darling, there goes the sun song. Anyway, happy Sunday, folks. We do have three lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Cynthia in surprise. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Good morning. Happy Sunday. <laughs> I'm calling because um, about a week ago, I guess, I put some ranuncula corms in my planter box, and I, I haven't had them before. I absolutely love the ranunculas, but I don't know how often I should be watering them. Well, it just depends on what your soil type is like. Um, you don't want to plant them too deep, okay? So they need to be right. covered, you know, shallow. And then probably the the soil well watered. If it's a commercial potting soil, which typically are going to be pretty light, uh, until they, they're germinated, you're probably going to water them about once a week. You don't want them to once get real, okay. yeah, you don't want them to get real dry. They're not going to be harmed, though, much by being wet. You know, water's not going to hurt them. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Have fun. Our are really beautiful as they come out. Thanks, Cynthia. Oh, they're great. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Jan in Paradise Valley. Good morning, Jan. Hi there. It's Jan in Paradise Valley. I have two questions. One, and good morning, and thank you so much for what you're doing. It's great. Um, one is my darn oranges. They're Arizona orange in the backyard. As soon as they start turning a little orange, I get a hole, uh-huh. and then I, it's full of gnats, and it falls on the ground. And I don't know. I think it's birds and gnats. What do you think? Well, it's the birds first. Yeah, anything that penetrates the rind when that sugar is exposed. Um, everybody comes mm-hmm. in and parties. You know, it's like having all your friends over and, and having the best tequila sunrises in the morning. You know, they all show okay. up. So um, oh, yeah. really, it's Fun. almost it's almost to, to slow the birds down. The problem is some you know so little fruit changes color first, and you're probably special, Jan. You probably have oh. the nicest oranges, and and they're just coming yeah. to visit you. You know, if there were a lot more oranges, at, like in a, in a citrus grove, we would never be concerned because they don't hurt enough to matter. But uh, on your one tree at home with birds that live there local and who have all day to hang mm-hmm. out and uh, really enjoy a little orange juice, um, you might even want to net at this time of year mm. yeah it's a pretty old big tree okay. oh, i understand yeah but it's yeah. but you're going to have the damage and the problem is they'll only come back to the same fruit for a day or so because then the gnats go and who wants to eat that nasty old fruit anyway and then I they'll know. find another yeah. one you know so they can one or two birds can tear up a lot of fruit yeah 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 Okay, well, I'm my own landscaper here, and um, the other issue is my olive trees. What's the best way to cut the suckers away at the base? Is it just with a certain tool or just with trimmers, clippers? Yeah, if they're small enough, just with sharp pruners, you know, and... uh, Mm. And that's and that's yeah. pretty much the way. Now, here's what's going to happen, Jen, is that the reason why they have all those shoots is because the sun's hitting the trunk, and that's not naturally mm-hmm. how they grow. So when the sun's oh. hitting the trunk like that, they're going to sucker, and they'll do that for 100 years. I mean, it doesn't stop. Oh. But if you'll okay. either, there's two ways you can kind of deal with it. You can get the canopy be denser and a little fuller and a little lower, and so it doesn't get hit as much, and that's oh. going to slow those suckers down. Or you can just trim them like they oftentimes do, like alongside 
Central Avenue and keep like a mini hedge in there and just oh, you yeah. know, prune it every two months and keep it cut back to a little hedge and it'll be fine that way too. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Thank you so much. Well, have I a nice weekend. Happy it. Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Nancy and Mesa. But after Nancy, we've got open lines. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTAR. Good morning, Nancy. Hi. Good morning, Brian. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I had called back in August, and we had a whole bunch of Mexican fan palms that had been put in the ground at the exact same time, except we had one guy who wasn't thriving in the same manner at the time you suggested i go out go out and get the monterey disease control which i did and i've been following the directions on the bottle um to the letter it says to dilute it one about one to two teaspoons per gallon and about every seven to ten days or so is what i've been doing about every 10 days Nancy, what, what kind of palm trees are these they're Mexican fan palms. Okay, and were they like bald and burlap or in containers or? They were in large boxes. Okay, so they should have been rooted and they had full open heads on the top when you planted them? Yep, yep. Okay. And actually, every single one of them is doing beautifully. They are thriving like something on a magazine cover, mm-hmm. except for this one little guy. And he's he's as green as can be. He's healthy. He's, he's sprouting new uh, growth at the top. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, the, the the stems, if you want to call them, like the frond, you know, the stalks are not strong enough. They bend and they're they're breaking. Okay, and well, so, the, the Monterey disease control is, you know, a good idea, a good concept. You can you, you can put it on pretty heavy, but here's what we're going to run into now, Nancy. So the days are getting shorter and it's colder, and Washingtonian robustas or Mexican fan palms are going to quit growing. So nothing you're okay. going to do this time of year is going to change anything very much. Okay. Okay. You're going to have to wait for spring till March or so. And then what I would recommend is really just upping the fruit, you know, the fertilizer on that one. And, uh, you know, there can be a difference in in some of them. There's genetically difference because they're grown from seed. Okay. And sometimes, you know, in a litter, there's a runt. You know, they have seven yep, puppies yep. and we have the runt and, and we hopefully right, we can right. grow it out of being the runt. But you're not going to do much to change it right now until really starting in March or April. It needs that okay. heat to grow. So and then it starts to grow slowly. So don't expect it to change dramatically till about May. But it's not going to even start until spring. So I would I would say back off on the water a little right now because they're not going to use yeah. as much. OK, treat yeah. it one time real heavy with your Monterey disease control. Probably just one last time spray it down the heart of the tree and you can put it all around the base and don't worry about overdoing it because you can't it's just a biological you're basically putting bacteria on there so it's bacillus you know aquaphilus 747 or whatever it is so give it one good inoculation and then back off the water to at the maximum once a week but it probably can be less than that and they'll all stay very healthy and then wait for spring and then in March, fertilize them heavy with the highest nitrogen you can find, like urea or ammonium sulfate. And uh, they should come back out. And as the days get longer in the spring, they'll start to grow quickly. But uh, with this type of you know weather and this time of the season, it's not going to change much all winter. And the only thing you can do by too much love is harm it. So that's why I say back off the water some and just kind of okay. like the other Beatles song, let it be. 
So one last question on the Monterey disease control. Mm -hmm. I've been following the directions on the bottle, which mm -hmm. say to dilute it so heavily. Mm -hmm. Should I not be diluting it? Should I be giving it more? You can of give the it more. It's product? not. It's not going to hurt. Okay. It's not like a nitrogen fertilizer or something that's it's going to create toxicity. Even copper sulfate, you know, which is the other thing we would use for this, can be toxic. But because it's just a biological, because of bacteria, when the bacteria goes on, if it's got nothing to feed on, it dies. And so that, okay. that's kind of how it works. So it's different. You can't really overdo it with that product. Okay, I see. Okay. All right, Brian, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Have Nancy. a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see Elaine in Peoria. Good morning, Elaine. Hey, Brian. Happy Sunday. You as well. You as well. Okay, so uh, first of all, I can't get up... Your phone numbers don't go through that I have for your regular um, nurseries. Ah, uh, should pretty easily. I've had the same one for about 50 years. Uh, That's weird. Yeah, the 944-8479 should go right through. 944-8479. area code, but yeah, 944-8479. Okay. That's the one on Glendale Avenue. 8479. Yeah, okay. 8479. Okay, I don't know if I made a boo-boo or not, but anyhow, when I talked to the guy and um, the, the, the guy you told me to go to to check my all my dirt. Mm -hmm. um, he said to use mulch and everything because it was all high and all kinds of stuff, not to put a bunch of stuff in it. Anyhow, I got mulch, but, and I, my daughter put it in her flower pots and it's the mulch. It's got little pieces of wood in it. It does, you know, it's got quite a bit of dirt. Well, mul 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 well most mulch you're going to buy it or compost are going to be not going to have any real soil. Okay. They're going to have ground up wood or, or green tree, you know, or wood waste or ground up trees. Okay. That kind of thing. And the fine pieces okay. in there are just finer ground. Okay. So you, when you buy potting, it's just finer ground. It's the same type of material. Is it going to hurt anything? No, but it does like, take out nitrogen and different things. So, you know, unless how you... How do I add nitrogen? Well, you, if you did, you did a soil sample? Soil sample? Yeah. Okay, when you, like, through a laboratory, and they, they told you you have this much yeah, nitrogen. Yeah, that a, a, AIO or whatever you uh, told me to go through. IAS, uh-huh. Okay, yeah. And then uh, they should have given you some results on the bottom. It told you add this or don't add that. And they they, right. they suggested that you add more organic material. Yeah, just with my my garden, but these are in pots, and and she used it in her pots. And the petunias and everything, the green part looks beautiful, but the flowers are kind of limpy. Well, if you want to get more blooms on a plant, what you want to add is higher phosphorus. Yeah, higher phosphorus. And when you're using you know, higher phosphorus, okay. So when you buy fertilizer, it's got three numbers. Okay, the yeah. second number is the phosphorus. So if you buy like Super Bloom, it's very high in phosphorus. If you buy uh, Miracle Grow, it's it's highest in phosphorus. So that's what's going to have plants root better and bloom more. So you want to add okay. more higher, you know, a higher phosphorus type of fertilizer. So they're already planted. Mm -hmm. So do I have to take them all out and no, plant no, them just, again, you or mix what? It up, mix it up liquid and pour it on. Now you have to, when you're watering in containers too, you're constantly leaching all the fertilizer out. Um, right. So if you want to, in that, that's kind of a different thing than in the garden and the soil. So one easy way to do it is by osmocote, and osmocote's a slow. Osmond, o s m o n d. O s o m o s. Yeah, O-S-O-M-A-C-O-T-E. But basically what that is, it's a water-soluble. You know, in our conversation,
appreciate anything you hear. You can go back to the website from the KTAR with Phil Nursery Garden Show. And after like uh-huh. lunchtime today, you can hear our conversation as many times as you want. How do I do that? I don't know how to do okay. that. Well, it's real easy. Just, just take your computer, Google with Phil Nursery Garden Show. There's two of them on there. Go to the KTAR one and uh, you can find everything right there. So anything that we talk about, you can always track back down. And here it is made time. Okay, so just add the Osmond. Add Osmocote. The, um, yeah, put the Osmocote on. And the Osmocote, what that does is a slow release lasts for a long time. If you want something a little faster, you want more blooms, put on some super bloom. Just like it sounds, it's high in phosphorus, makes plants bloom, bloom better. Lane, I got to let you go because we have to go to the news. But have a nice day. And we'll be right back after the news. We got Troy Barrett back here live in the studio, ready to tell us what's happening in the world. The number to call for Shira in the break, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw that hers come rolling for to carry my mother away. Sunday morning, and uh, sometimes it's hard to say goodbye, but if we say goodbye with a smile, it continues on for a lifetime. Anyway, welcome back. Uh, we do have three lines available, number to call, 602-277-5827. We have Shira back here smiling. Give her, Put her to work. Give her a call. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Jose and AJ. Good morning, Jose. Hello. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for asking, sir. Good, good, good. Well, here, uh, got a couple of questions. I'm going to be moving up to a place that's going to be about 4,000 feet altitude. Uh-huh. I'm wondering if any kind of citrus will grow. 
in that area. Well, too okay. Cold? What depends, kind of, Jose, what side of the mountain you're going to be on, you know, and, and how the airflow is. Okay. So what happens here, especially you see it in our desert where we have, you know, just geographically such variance in altitude, is that if we're on a slope right. and if we're on a ridge and the air is draining mm-hmm. and we're on the high part of the ridge and we have arroyos, say, to the side and the, and the cold air falls into the arroyos, then we could be pretty warm right. at 4,000 feet. Okay. If you're sitting at the okay. bottom of the ditch, <laughs> it's going to get cold. You know, so 4,000 yeah. feet in Arizona is, is extremely variable. Where, 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 where are you moving to, Jose? Uh, be down south, uh, around, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a little town called Arawaka. Oh, yeah. Well, it's yeah, beautiful yeah. down there. You're going to have to have a pretty good ridge down there because of the way it sets. Um, you know, yeah, well, actually, I'm actually down like a little, a little flat area, a little valley between these real low rolling mountains. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's, the dirt is awesome. It's just black dirt. But I want to try to grow at least a Meyer lemon, if nothing else. Well, a Meyer lemon but, uh, and a kumquat, okay? Uh, anything okay. with a mandarin gene is going to be hardier. Right. And uh, ah. of all of all of all uh, lemons, I mean Meyer lemon because it's got that mandarin gene in it is probably right. eight or ten degrees hardier as a tree than a Lisbon lemon is. So it does ah. give you a huge advantage. Okay, and if you like kumquats or if you like other mandarins, you know maybe you want to plant a tango mandarin or something like that. Uh, you should yeah. do pretty well with those too. Of the oranges, oh. the Valencias are the hardiest, but they're still not as hardy as the mandarin varieties are. And okay. you know okay. on, on your Good location deal. there you want to put it at the highest ridge you can and then you can always cover it you know with just a build a frame and when it gets cold yeah. throw a piece of frost cloth over it and a frost yeah, cloth with a light bulb can be good for 10 degrees and that makes a huge difference so there are certainly ways okay. to protect them they'll love the summer um you know that's what i was wondering about because uh now i've heard something too about when it gets cold you try to you try to water them beforehand well, it's what we do at the farm jose is that we irrigate and as we're irrigating and as the water gives off heat now like down at our farm in Hyder our water comes out of the ground 87 degrees okay right. so we, we, put that out, we put that out so through a you know a, a drip type of irrigation system and it'll create a fog wow. bank in the grove that can give us four yeah. or five degrees protection so having water especially running water there works really well and what they do for hard yeah. freezes in places like Georgia where they grow citrus which are probably every bit as cold as you'll be there is they ice them. Wow. So they'll have a sprinkler that comes up through the middle of the tree, and just before oh. it starts to freeze, you turn that sprinkler on and you build up ice all over the outside of the tree. And if you encase oh. the tree in ice, it'll keep the tree's temperature at 32, because the ice isn't oh. going to be colder than 32. So that will absolutely protect, especially the hardy varieties. So there's a lot of okay. things you could, if you really want to grow citrus, uh, there's no reason you can't do it, but you will have to be mindful of the cold. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's get, it gets down to fourteen below, or, or fourteen, or, or lower actually. Sometimes in the winter time. Well, I've seen I've it been sixteen. Down to I've seen it's it really sixteen, cold. Jose, at, at, our, at our nursery on Glendale Avenue. I've seen sixteen in the valley here before. But uh, oh well, good. Not, not that that doesn't do a lot of bad things to citrus. Sure, you sure. Know. And this but, is day after day, though it's probably a week at a time. Sometimes at that temperature. So I think that a sprinkler thing. Would, I was I never thought about that. But uh, former cap. I 
device around it. Yeah, that's amazing. It, it, it works very well, cool. you know. And if uh, if you have the right engineering anymore with a thermostat, you can have a thermostat kick on an electric solenoid that kicked on your sprinkler when it hit thirty degrees, and yeah. uh, and that would ice it right oh. up. Now here's the thing: somewhere at that, you know, when you run that sprinkler, you have to shut it off because the ice will break the complete tree down to the ground eventually. If you wanted to rig the automatic system, what you would do is you would rig it up so that it kicked on it, you know, say 30, 31, enough so that the sprinkler head's not going to freeze first, and then have it run on another yeah. timer after it kicks on that automatically shuts off after an hour. I and, did, um, yeah. You'd have her whipped. Yeah. Hey, that sounds very good. Real quick, also, how about pomegranates? Mm-hmm. Pomegranates is fan, fantastic climate for pomegranates. I love, I love the pomegranates. Okay, well, thank you very much, Bon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jose. Have a nice day. That, that's a beautiful have a, have a good, Parts of Arizona that a lot of people haven't seen, but just beautiful. That's it. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. That is, that's where I'm going. That's God's country. It's pretty. Thank beautiful. you, Jose. Thank you. Have, thank have, you, sir. Have, have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Marty and Mesa. Good morning, Marty. Earth to Marty. Come in, Marty. Ground control to Major Marty. Hey, Marty, we're going to put you on hold. And just a reminder, folks, whatever you're, whenever you're on call on hold, if you'll listen on the telephone, because that way you'll get the click and hear when we come up. If you listen on the radio, we'll have to come back to you. Marty, we will come back to you. Uh, Sue and Buckeye, good morning, Sue. Good morning. I was wondering if you can grow carnations in Arizona. I love carnations. Absolutely. Carnations, dianthus. I mean, there's a whole group of those and they're, they're more perennials. Now you won't probably keep them as a perennial here. It's going to be hard to keep them throughout the summer, but you can certainly plant dianthus or carnations right now. Where do I find them? I'm. You know, we, we should have some. If you call the nursery on Glendale Avenue after they open, say after 10 o'clock today, um, they'll okay. know. I'm, I'm not sure what we have. We have more dianthus, which are kind of like a mini carnation than true large carnations. And the reason why is because the bloom cycle's longer. Uh, oh, okay. But if you wanted to yeah, ask for dianthus, and uh, and we may, I'm almost sure we have dianthus, but the carnations, the true carnations, they could probably order in for you if we don't have them. Okay, hey, thank you, and have a great day. Thanks, Sue. Bye-bye. Uh, Lucy in Phoenix. Good morning, Lucy. Good morning. Um, my question is I sprayed my nutsedge, and um, it looks like it killed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But is it too late to spray again? Lucy, how long ago did you spray? Oh, three, almost four weeks. Okay, and you have new nutsedge popping back up? No, um, it it must have been a couple of places that I didn't get. Oh, I mean, it well, didn't turn brown. It's certainly not going to hurt to follow it. up, Lucy. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, also, uh, my paper whites are up, but they're not. Last year, they all came up. They were really nice, but they didn't bloom. Is there anything like Miracle Grow or anything when I water that I can water with? These are ones that you've had. You left the bulbs in year after year. Are these new bulbs and new plants you planted? Uh, I had them. Okay. Um, the problem is they probably didn't get enough chill. You know, they they mm-hmm. like they like some colder weather. In the last three years, you know, we've had almost no no cold weather, and we're starting off a little colder this year. But they kind of need that that cold weather to come up and, and and set blooms better. But you know, it's a it's a completely different year this year than it's been. The, the weather's a lot different, and uh, we'll have to see what this year brings. Well, the same thing for like the ranunculus. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> I 
summered them over, but I didn't take them out and put them in the refrigerator or anything. Um, should I, uh, uh, can I give them anything to give well, them a boost or no? What those plants need, Lucy, is they need chill hours. Okay? They need cold. Yeah. And so what you should do is take them out and store them like in a refrigerator. You know, okay. just put them dry the in a paper bag. Well, cyclamens no. too. I mean, all those are cold weather bulbs, okay? And a lot of them need more cold to bloom better and function properly. So if you want to carry them from year to year, you're going to have to you know, store them cold and dry. Okay. And okay. also, Ruella, the purple, the just the regular Ruella, mm-hmm. um, is it past its bloom season so no. to trim it? You can trim it anytime. Okay. If you, trim, know, if you trim it right now, okay, it still will come back and bloom. I mean, unlike okay. a bougainvillea or something that takes longer to regenerate. Now, if you're talking about cutting it down by, you know, just down to nothing stems. No, it probably no, no, wouldn't. no. Just really trimming it up a little bit. But I know I've done it in the past, and it took a long time for it to come back to bloom. So, well, and I don't it takes ever a lot longer it. in the wintertime than it's going to take in the summer. In the summertime, it'll be back in bloom within a week to 10 days. And now you're probably talking 20 or 30 days. But you want to do it right away. The sooner, the better, because the amount of light we have, the day, daylight hours and the temperature, all affect the bloom cycle on that plant. And it'll bloom through the winter as long as it's you know got the right age foliage on it but if you want to prune it i would have pruned it a month ago but print it right away okay perfect okay. thank you so much have a good day thanks lucy bye-bye uh let's see next up we have marty and mesa and after marty and mesa we've got some open lines a number to call 602-277-5827 good morning marty hi can you hear me this time very clearly sir very good. Um, uh, my headset must have been a problem before. Uh, I got first of all an unrelated side story about uh, the bulbs and be, keeping them cold in the winter. We had a whole bunch of irises we dug up and we put them in a plastic bucket and took them up to Strawberry and put them underneath a cabin we have up there. And uh, we didn't realize that the javelinas love iris bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, they they they, they, ate the, they ate them all. But um, anyway, um, my question is: We have flood irrigation. We live in Mesa. Uh, Brown and Stapley is our cross streets, and uh, we can grow um, Bermuda grass wonderfully because it uh, comes out of the irrigation and, and just reseeds itself continuously. But uh, what we want to do is convert some of the backyard into garden with the flood irrigation. Is there any way we can keep the grass from out of there with uh, and still grow vegetables? You just put up some kind of a border. I mean, a lot of that, if you're keeping the lawn mowed and the water's feeding into it, you know, you're not going to get as much seed. But you're always going to get some weed seed, dichondra seed, some different seed in there. But, you know, if you're going to start with a winter garden, the thing to do would be spray the grass right now with like glyphosate or Roundup or something to kill it. Uh, you could still kill okay. it right now while it hasn't been too cold. And then, you know, it's taken take probably a week or 10 days for it to die right now because of the cool weather. And then after the, the grass has died back, then dig it all out and put just a small border in. You know, just a border so that the water has to go up over some kind of a border can still flood the garden. And you could do that. But, you know, Marty, I got to tell you, when we lived in South Phoenix and uh, I grew up with a grandfather with an acre garden and a Ford 9N tractor, my wife uh, decided one day that we should build this raised garden out there in the middle of our flood irrigated yard. And uh, boy, did it make things so much easier. Now, we had to water it, 
But having that raised bed so you kept everything out of the lawn and having that mixture with a lighter soil, you know, I think that as much battle as it is to try to grow, uh, you know, vegetables and different crops like that in a flood irrigated area, especially in a, just in a home garden, I think it's going to be way better just to go ahead and set it up where either you can do one or two things. You can pump out of the ditch and pump into the garden and flood it that way. But whatever you do to raise that garden bed up away from the grass is going to make everything easier. That's a good idea about uh, raise up and then flood it and then with a pump because we can we have like a sump pump and mm-hmm. we could uh, we could water it with that every time we irrigate. Oh, I, I have a family member who is like the craziest irrigation person that ever existed. And when they built a new subdivision and took out you know the part that was an irrigated farm feeding her property, uh, she drove everybody a little you know, a little rough on the crew, you know. But she uh, basically irrigates flood irrigates most of her yard, pumps out of that into all the raised gardens and beds around her property and only irrigates herself and it's amazing what she does with flood irrigation you know and, and, and her yes, gardens and beds and everything are just special srp irrigation is one of the best deals around well srp irrigation and the water that we have is just the you know it's basically the the new management of what's been done here for thousands of years and salt river project uh the way they manage our water here is beyond compare you know and i was watching the other day on the mississippi river how it's you know drying up and they're having their drought down there and different things if they had one tenth of the water management we have out here in the west you know if they could build some reservoirs along the the mississippi river they would never worry about their water supply you know and and you know our management here in arizona you know following up now with the cap but beginning with srp following up on the on the native americans that did it here a thousand years ago plus you know water management the desert's life and uh and we were very fortunate to have the stewards in uh, especially srp but now the cap as well and uh, water management you know thank goodness has been something that people have always looked at here but the reality is we wouldn't be here without it that's true thanks marty Thank you very much, Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we've got a line open. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Love me tender, love me sweet. Let me go You have made my life complete And I love you so Love me tender Love me true All my dreams fulfilled Sunday morning. I hate to count Elvis off. You know, it's hard to beat Elvis, but at any rate, gotta take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. We deliver plant guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. Um, you know, we're not always half price. 
but we're usually always a better price. Uh, anything from citrus trees to ash trees to palm trees to pines, from beautiful desert trees like mesquites and ironwoods to great uh, pistachio trees. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Want to invite you out for flower season, too. We have beautiful geraniums right now. And, hey, if you're a gardener or a contractor and need a lot of them from somewhere, Come see us. Beautiful colors all down from the farm. Great time to plant. Whitfield Nursery open Monday through Saturday, 8 to 530, Sundays, 10 to 4. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Kirk in Pitcher Rock. Yeah, hi, Brian. Good morning. Hey, sir. Um, I have a jacaranda. Yeah, it's in Pitcher Rocks, but um, my sister gave it to me about eight or nine years ago, and it was just a little plant in a pot. She got it from her tree. I'm wondering, when are we going to get flowers off of that? Well, leave it alone, and you'll have a lot better chance. So for, for a jacaranda to bloom, it really likes to be kind of dry. And, uh, oh, good. That's what we're doing. That's <laughs> good. So kind of dry and a lot of sun. And, um, you know, as far as a watering cycle, probably at the maximum once a week. You know, but depending on your soil, maybe less than that. If it's a heavier soil where you're at, less than that. And um, Yeah, right. And it does take some science, time and age for them to bloom. How large is the tree now? It's about, I'm thinking 12 to 15 feet. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not very, well, that's not huge for its age. But um, oh. at any rate, I, w- I would give it like one early fertilization in February, you know, when it's kind uh-huh. of dormant looking and most of the leaves are off. And yeah, then, sometimes it turns black the other, like two years ago. Well, if it gets frost, it'll burn the leaves completely off it. But, um, oh, okay, you know, if right. it's been there for that long, you're not doing too bad. But just back completely off the water in the spring. I would probably, in most soils, water it once every two weeks. Oh, cool. Yeah, that works out fine then. So it sounds like we're doing right. All right. But I was just wondering. Yeah, thanks for calling. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. And let's see. Next up, we have uh, Cheryl and Anthem. Good morning, Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. This is Cheryl in Sun City. Oh, okay. Well, we just moved you around a little bit. That's all. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking I'm going to plant geraniums and petunias and cyclamen in pots, Uh and I have my pots have the dirt from last year potting soil. Uh I still use that and add some fresh stuff to it. You could, you know, what you might even do is, you know, do a pretty heavy uh, dose of Osmocote when you do it and leach it out first. And uh, so if you take it before you plant them, just go out and water those pots real heavy. Leach everything out and then come back and put Osmocote on top when you plant them. So you've got a steady source of fertilizer kind of rebuilding the soil as the plants grow. And you should be fine. Okay, I don't have, and I want to do it today. And I went out yesterday and got everything, but uh-huh. I don't have Osmocote. Can I use something else? Like What else do you have? Fertilizer. I've got wood. Growth would um, put in it to make the roots grow. Uh-huh. That, that, that's going to be fine. But the the idea that what makes Osmocote easy is because you put it on once, okay? You can come back and fertilize as soon as you have them planted with like a Peter's 20-20-20. You could use miracle Grow. Uh, super Bloom would be excellent. Um, yeah, so Super Bloom. Super really good. So what you'll do with different with the Super Bloom is you'll just fertilize every other week with it. Okay. 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 Thank you so much. Thanks, Cheryl. Bye-bye. Peter and Mesa. Good morning, Peter. 
Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking, sir. Uh, yes, I have a, a, a grapefruit citrus tree, uh-huh. and it has a leaf curl on it. And okay. I, and I I had some F-stop for it, but I can't find it, so I used neem oil. Is that okay? Well, there's not going to really be a need for it, Pete. Mostly what happens when we have curl on our citrus leaves is caused by a little insect called thrip. And it's a lot okay. more prevalent when the weather's warm than when it's cold. And the tree doesn't grow as much when it's cold either. And what thrip do is they get on the new leaves and they scar the tissue as a new growth is coming out while they're feeding on them. And then the leaf okay. as it matures comes out curled. We have a wonderful okay. predator here called the lacewing. And if you ever see them around mm-hmm. your trees, they're a little light green colored dragonfly guy. And they're larvae okay. like an alligator that come through and eat the eat the thrip. Yeah, so, I got one stuck on the back of my car. <laughs> in, in the back seat, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, those are the good guys. And their larvae okay. are going to come through and eat the thrip. But, you know, the thrip season's pretty much over anyway. And we're going to have a lot more thrip back in the spring as it warms up and the trees really start to grow. But for the most part, like commercially in our orchards, you know, and we're, um, you know, certified organic, so we can only use very okay. limited amount of chemicals. We only spray our groves one time a year, and we use a product mm-hmm. called Spinosad because it's got the Ormery certification, and we only okay. use it to keep the fruit from being scarred. We don't really worry, you know, really much at all about the leaves being scarred and curled, and it depends on the variety, but like on mandarins especially, we'll have a lot of leaf curl mm-hmm. on them because we really love them. But the lace okay. wings and the other, there's, there's a little pirate bug. There's three or four other little insects here that come through and really do cut the population way down, you know, on these thrip. And the problem with spraying thrip is they have a life cycle that's very quick. So basically, we can't really get rid of them. Hey, Pete, I got to let you go because it's time for the news. I'm getting that look for sure. But, hey, thanks for the call. Hey, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after the news with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTR.